Sunday celebration from the Center for Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. Many blessings to you. So the music takes us to a place of stillness within our hearts, so that we can enter into the eternal present moment. And this Sunday, we are going to explore present moment awareness from the ultimate reality that we are immortal beings, eternal beings experiencing the breath of now. With that beautiful Pachelbel Canon being played, that's the music that was played when my mother had her funeral. Uh, and in that sweet moment, 23 years ago, I felt her presence so strongly. And this Sunday morning, I feel the presence of beloved Marie Perez, and my own twin sister, smiling in my heart, inviting us to awaken. The sweetness of now. In the Sufi lineage, they say, when we are born, we are born with love and light. And when we leave this mortal coil, we take the light with us, but we leave the love behind. And so we get to reflect on that which was never born and that which never dies. Huh. And as we do so, we smile because we know that our beloveds are with us. Jesus would say, lo, I am with you always. If you cleave to the branch, lo, I am there. If you lift up the rock, lo, I am there. So could we open to the mystery of this something bigger that is calling us? I invite you to open your eyes now and look around the room at your own self, one life endlessly revealing itself. I've been using this lovely book by Jack Kornfield called No Time Like the Present. It's a Buddhist teaching about living the fullest life from the realization that there's only one life here. And so Jack Kornfield starts with the idea that vastness is our home, that what we are are universal beings 
and we are awakening in time and space. So to know ourselves as the universe, as the cosmos, as Gaia herself, and this uh, PhD from Oxford, this lovely woman who's written a book called The Story of Gaia, she said, we're all Gaians and Gaia is waking up the awakened presence. It was awakened Marie. And what is Gaia saying? Its sentience becomes our sentience. Its awareness becomes our awareness. We're not separate from the trees or the dirt or the universe. It's all part of the one life. And then how do we navigate in this crazy world, knowing that the vastness is our home? The second week of this month, I explored courting the beautiful questions. And I shared with you that my prayer partner has been courting the same question his whole life. And that is, how might I manifest the gifts of my soul in this incarnation? Now, could we live with that question? If our soul is our true nature, how could we manifest the gifts of this soul? Through loving, through service, through giving, through receiving. It's all part of the one offering itself to the world. And last week I explored the idea of trust. Could we trust this living universe? Divine love brings together and maintains together those who belong together. Look who divine love brought out here for me today to smile back on, knowing that you are my own self reflected. And life does give us everything we need in advance of our asking. <clears throat> and so I want to open to whatever the moment brings me. In this lovely book, Jack Cornfield talks about mindfulness practice. And he said in Buddhism, and he quotes the Buddha himself saying, meditation is really mindfulness practice. And in mindfulness, you let go of the mind, which wants to run around with a narrative. You let go of the body, which wants to convince you of its symptoms. And you let go of the world, which would try to convince you that all kinds of crazy stuff. And when you let go of those three things, the Buddha says, you enter into that deep silence where the knower abides. So he says, open to the knower within you. It's not gonna come from your neurotic belief system. And so then on Christmas, I got a book called Non-Dualism by James Twyman. And he says, waking up to the truth of our being is like a chick pecking out of a shell. And the shell is composed of the ideas that you have of yourself, the labels that you have, the opinions, the conclusions, oh my God, the belief systems, the BS of life. And when you peck out of that projection of your mind onto the shell of you, well, then you move from me to we to all. There's only one here. There is no me separate from you. And so Jack Cornfield helped me this week when I went for my stress test on Thursday morning with my beloved spiritual sister because I was stressed out by the stress test because you Google it up and it says four hours of hell. Right before you die, they'll tell you if your heart's in condition. And I took my little six-year-old boy there to the stress test with my new adopted sister. And I'm telling the people at the heart center, you need a new name for this. Why don't you call it the heart evaluation test? Something much more benign. But to say that I'm going to put myself through four hours of stress was stressing me out. And then I moved into the balcony, Adam, and I started observing my little stressed boy. And I said, I've got to use whatever practices I can to bring my presence of just breathe through this, you will get past it. And I opened my Jack Cornfield, who said mindfulness and loving awareness are the antidotes and the gateways to freedom from a world that would have you be convinced that you're going to enter into a stressful experience. When you recognize exactly what is present, even if it is pain, 
even if it is anxiety, if it is anger, or if it is grief. You can acknowledge it gently and in a way bow to it. Oh, there you are, my little anxiety. Oh, there you are, my little anger. Some people have anger. Oh, there you are, my little grief. And you meet it with equanimity. And as you do, he says, you will feel love grow and the space of ever-present loving awareness expands and then we can hold it all now. We don't have to run away from our experience. We can be with it, to be here now. And then, and then he goes on to say, he quotes Pema Chodron. And this is so funny because she talks about the sacredness of now. And you know, Ram Dass wrote his seminal book, Be Here Now. All you have is present moment awareness. As he evolved, the last book he wrote was Be Love Now. So we get to a wake up to present moment, open to the love that we are, and here's Pema Chodron. She says, now, now, now. Mindfulness trains you to be awake and alive, fully curious about what? Well, she answers it. Well, about now, right? You sit in meditation and the breath is now and waking up from your fantasies is now and even the fantasies are now. Although they seem to take you away into the past or into the future, but the more you can be completely now, the more you realize that you're at the center of the universe, standing in the middle of a sacred circle, and you're experiencing whatever life is bringing to you. It's no small affair, she says, whether you're brushing your teeth, whether you're cooking your food, or excuse my French, whether you're wiping your bottom. She says, whatever you are doing, you are doing it now. So emphasis is added. The good thing is that you can easily increase your capacity to live from the now through practicing mindfulness and loving awareness. Uh, neuroscience shows that mindful awareness can measurably develop in just weeks of training. And with this awareness grows resilience, a greater access to compassion, a neural integration, Neural integration, Ms. Pam, I don't know what that means, but I think it means your, your nerves and your brain are all getting wired up together. Emotional stability, inner regulation, and physical healing and joy, just by stopping long enough to open to the grace of what is. So this got me through my stress test, thank you. And it's bringing me here now to see my beloved sitting in the circle. I did that wonderful wedding of Nikki and Sean yesterday, and. My beloved Jack is sitting here today. And, uh, and I was so shocked when they created the program for me and handed it to me right before I was to go on. And they said, uh, spiritual readings, prayer. And then he comes in, everybody dance now, throwing pedals here. And I thought, I got to change on a dime and have a whole different way of approaching this experience. So what if life does that? You get to trust it. When life throws a loop, you have to ride that wave in whatever way the, the wave wants to happen. I pulled out my, um, my books of poetry and David White was speaking to me this week, Jody, and he wrote a, a poem called The Bell and the Blackbird. And this is about present moment awareness. And I, I'm going to read this to you twice. It's so beautiful. He says, the sound of the bell is Irish, still reverberating, or the blackbird calling you from the corner of the field, asking you to awaken. Awaken into this life. 
or it is inviting you deeper into the one life that awaits you. Wake up into this life, the blackbird and the bell say, or go to the deeper one that is waiting for you. Either way, it takes courage, he says, either way wants you to be nothing but the self that is no self at all, that wants you to be nothing or the no self, but the self that is no self at all. It wants you to walk to the place where you find that you already know. That's the knower within. Marie knew that place very well. It wants you to find that place that you already know and how to give every last thing away. How to give away me, then you can give away we, and then you can enter into the all. Huh. Let go of the mind, let go of the body, let go of the world, and then you're free in the knower that isn't bound by any of those external things. He says the approach that is also the meeting itself without any meeting at all. The meeting itself without any meeting at all. I'm teaching Ralph Waldo Emerson and he lives in my soul. I've never met him, but I meet him every time I read his words. Let go of your God of the intellect and your God of tradition and let your soul be set on fire with every fire that ignited those that went before you. So with no meeting, I'm meeting the ancestors. And so the invitation is for those of us who didn't get to meet Marie Perez while she was here, you're going to get to meet her today through her beautiful daughter's words at the end of the ceremony and through um, a blessing that I'm going to give to both her and my twin sister and whomever is on the other side who is still here with us. She says this, the radiance that you have always carried with you as you walk both alone and completely accompanied in friendship by every corner of the world is crying out loud, Alleluia, Alleluia. I thought of this as I was reading this um, beautiful poem, a meeting that is no meeting at all, where you find yourself accompanied by somebody in a field of resonance. I come to classes early on Wednesday morning to set up the class and I brought my blind and deaf pug with me one day and beloved Marie was sitting on the rock out here by the tree and I came an hour early and I got out of the car. I lifted down my little black pug with his one eye with a cataract over it, you can't hear. And she's sitting there. And then I went in to do my chores in the center and I forgot that I'd left him out there with her. And I rushed out to get them and they had bonded in a way that I rarely see. She with him, him with her. And they were communicating at a tantric level that I didn't understand. She was glowing from within. It was a meeting of two souls that came together by accident, or should we say by synchronicity? Because I don't believe there are any accidents. And so every time now I look at Humphrey, I see Marie. There was a transmission. And then after my mother made her transition, my teacher made his transition five days later. And less than a week after those two deaths, I was sitting at the foot of Thich Nhat Hanh, this living saint in the year 2000, and it was September of 2000, and he sat up there and he did his hand back and forth. And the very first words he said, and I'm grieving sitting in the front row, he said, all of life is a transmission. He said, there is a transmitter, there is a receiver, and there is that which is transmitted. He said, your parents do nothing less than transmit themselves to you, they live in you. And then he said, your teachers do nothing less than transmit themselves. He says, they live in you. And with tears coming down, and above, I was sitting in a scutney with maybe a thousand people, 
And above Thich Nhat Hanh was a calligraphy that said, I have arrived, I am home. And when I left that event for $450 and 2000 I bought the calligraphy and brought it back here to Huntsville because it took me to that place that I needed to go to, to realize that they're still here with us. So what if we get to open to the ancestors, to those who've made their transition, and to know that um, it's a sacred calling to be present with one another and to not know that we're separate. This morning I came into the, to the center and I'm doing a series called A New Design for Living and it was the last book that Ernest Holmes wrote and I lost my copy of it somewhere. And then I found in the library, here's an old copy on the top shelf on the furthest left, The New Design for Living by Dr. Ernest Holmes at the end of his life. And there's an old church program here from a Los Angeles center from God, eight, nine, you know, ancient. And at the very place that it opened, it talks about the spiritual nature of the universe, God, infinite mind, intelligence, from all viewpoints, whether it's science, philosophy, and religion, always was, always is, and always will be, without beginning and without end, eternal, immortal, timeless. And if we are a creation of that, with a capital T, which is eternal and immortal, if we are a creation of God and God is what we are, well, can what we are be other than immortal? Can it be other than eternal? And so he's inviting us to know our own immortal, eternal nature. If not now, when? Does it have to be when we transition over that we say, whoa, I think I'm an eternal being, Jack. No, we can wake up right now and know the truth of our being. And so Ernest Holmes goes on to say, this does not mean that the body is immortal or that any physical expression of infinite intelligence immortal, but rather that which caused the expression is immortal. That doesn't die. That's eternal. He says, this brings us to a very interesting and profound idea. Right now, we are as much of this spiritual reality with a capital R as we ever will be. We get to know our eternal nature while we're informed although we will be continually becoming more aware of it. And if we are in any respect immortal, we are immortal right now. It is not something that may or may not happen later on, and there is nothing that a man could ever do to earn it for himself or deprive himself of it. In other words, the naughty or nice list doesn't matter in this eternal immortal world. Someone's not gonna send you to heaven or cast you into hell. You're immortal beings. And he says, it is just the nature of things the way they are. The normal and logical thing to do is to recognize and accept the idea that we are living the eternal life right now. Well, I think he's giving us permission, Michael, to know something greater, not only about ourselves, but about our beloveds. They're still here with us. They're just not in their body anymore. And they're still guiding us in ways that are exceedingly intimate because they don't have the grace of picking up the phone and calling you. They wake you up in the middle of the night and they uh, fill you with a sense, I haven't gone anywhere. You know, I was really tormented by my twin because from the time I was in the womb with her, she called me her womb mate, we weren't separate, we were one life. I, Jack and Catherine, I shared with them yesterday, I don't know how they could get along without each other. And they both <laughs> nodded their heads. And I said, well, the good news is you won't have to because she's with me. When I met Jody Rutenberg, her friend Lindsay had transitioned, but Lindsay was with her so strongly that it was all about creating space for Lindsay's spirit to be with Jody. 
And I still go to her grave and talk to her, and I never really met. There's the meeting with no meeting at all. And so my twin is with us. And, uh, and I called my, my beloved John O'Donohue, who lives in me too, this Irish saint. And you know, he has a perspective on truth that is unlike any other. And I'm going to close with a beautiful blessing for Marie, and then her daughter is going to come up after we finish this service today and share a few words about her mother. But John O'Donohue said this beautiful thing. He says, similarly, he says, the dead are not distant or absent. Not quite yet, Jody. The dead are not distant or absent. They are alongside of us. And when we lose someone to death, we lose their physical image and presence. They slip out of the visible form into the invisible presence. They slip out of the visible. And yet John O'Donohue says, but they're with the visible and they're with the invisible. So they're with us in form. Your mom is with you. But she's also in this other dimension, perhaps with her mother or whomever she connected with on the other side. And so he's giving us that beautiful blessing. When we lose someone to death, we lose their physical image and presence. And then they slip from the invisible to the invisible presence. This alteration of form is the reason we cannot see the dead. But, we can't, but because we cannot see them does not mean that they are not there. One of the oldest and most beautiful metaphors to convey this change and the level how we shift from form into substance is the beautiful journey of the larva into the butterfly. When the larva, this finite existence that eats and struggles to create its spiritual being, then has to go into cocoon and completely dissolve. And then it is said that the imaginal selves within the larva create this beautiful majestic thing called the butterfly. And it requires the strength to eat out of the chrysalis in order to step into its next dimension. And so what if that metaphor is true for all of us? Marie had a beautiful way of moving into her butterfly nature. She fought to stay in her shell as long, and, and when it no longer served her, her, I believe her soul, just like my sister's, consciously chose to separate themselves from a life form that wasn't sustaining the soul's expression. Now that's a much more beautiful way to know that when the time is right, we can step out of form and into essence, and yet we'll still be here with those that love us. And I truly feel that that's what is happening with, with Marie. And um, so, yeah, I took this old church program to put it over here, Ernest Holmes over there. And um, let me go to this blessing of John O'Donohue's, and then we'll let it, let it build from there. And I'll do this twice. This is On the Death of a Beloved by John O'Donohue. And, and I invite you to, if there is a beloved that you have experienced that's no longer here in form, allow these words to wash over you and to remind you that they're still here. So this is what he said. Though we need to weep your loss, he says, you dwell in that safe place within our hearts where no storm or night or pain can reach you. Your love was like the dawn, brightening over our lives, awakening beneath the dark, a further adventure of color. The sound of your voice found for us a new music that brightened everything. Whatever you unfolded in your gaze, quickened in the joy of its being, you placed smiles like flowers on the altar of our hearts.
your mind always sparkled with the wonder of things. Oh, Marie was always telling me about the next beautiful way to heal through vibrational energy fields. And I mean, we were just spiraling out in a Reiki world of energy and light. And though your days here have ended, your spirit lives in our hearts. And so we look towards each other, no longer from the old distance of our names, but now you dwell inside the rhythm of breath itself as close to us as we are to ourselves. You know, this PhD Oxford lady who wrote the book, The Story of Gaia, she said, we got it all wrong. She said, the earth wasn't created 5.6 billion years ago with the Big Bang. Oh no. She said, it's much older. We can prove it scientifically. It's 13.7 billion years ago. And it was done by the breath of Brahma. Now, to know yourself as the breath of spirit co-evolving here in a cosmos that is operating within us and all around us, well, it's a bigger picture, I think. So though we cannot see you with outward eyes, he says, we know our soul's gaze now is upon your face, smiling back at us from within everything to which we bring our best refinement. So let us not look for you only in memory, where we would grow lonely without you. You would want us to find you in presence, beside us when beauty brightens our day, when kindness glows in our hearts and music echoes those eternal tones and calls us to dance. When orchids brighten the earth, darkest winter has turned to spring. May this dark grief now flower with hope in every heart that loves you. May you continue to inspire us to enter each day with a generous heart, to serve the call of courage and love until we see your beautiful face again in the land where there is no more separation, where all tears will be wiped from our mind and where we will never lose you again. I think I need to read that one more time so we can anchor it in our soul. What do you think? To see the beautiful face of Marie and my beautiful twin. Though we need to weep your loss, you dwell in that safe place in our hearts where no storm or night or pain can reach you. Your love was like the dawn, brightening over our lives and awakening beneath the dark a further adventure of color. The sound of your voice found for us a new music that brightened everything. And whatever you enfolded in your gaze quickened in the joy of its being. You placed smiles like flowers on the altar of our heart. Our mind always sparkled. Your mind always sparkled with the wonder of things. And when your days here have ended, your spirit now lives in our hearts. We look toward each other now, no longer from the old distance of our names, but now you dwell inside the rhythm of breath itself, as close to us as we are to ourselves. And though we cannot see you with outward eyes, we know our soul's gaze, our soul's gaze is upon your face, smiling back at us from within everything 
to which we bring our best refinement. So let us not look for you only in our memories, where we would grow lonely without you. You would want us to find you in presence, beside us when beauty brightens, when kindness glows. My twin sister was the kindest human being. She would give you the shirt off her back, trust me. When kindness glows and music echoes those eternal tones that calls us to dance. Everybody dance now. I was dancing down the aisle with Jack yesterday. It was amazing. And when orchids brighten the earth, darkest winter now has turned to spring. So may this dark grief flower with hope in every heart that loves you. And may you continue to inspire us. It never ends, you know. To enter each day with this generous heart, to serve the call of courage, to serve the call of love, until we see your beautiful face again in that land where there is no more separation, where all tears will be wiped from our mind and we will never lose you again. Jody, would you ring the bell and I'll do a quick meditation and then I'm going to invite Bob and Kelly up to play a sacred piece of music, and then Krista will share just a few words about her beloved mother, Marie. Uh, so with a grateful heart, we enter into this moment, feeling the presence of love, feeling the immortal eternal self, smiling within ourselves, reminding us that we're still here, uh, and that we get to have a soulful relationship now. The language has changed. It's the language of the heart. And so we listen with our heart. And as Emerson would say, we discover how shallow grief really is. Because the soul was never born and the soul never dies. And when you can experience your departed one as an angel within your own soul, well, then you have arrived in the vastness of truth itself. The ancestors live in you. Huh. The expectations of the ancestors live in us. So I know the expectations of Marie and of my beloved sister live within my own heart to serve, to serve the mystery that we're greater than what we think we are, that we are energy beings, we are light beings. And as science tells us in conservation of energy, energy cannot be created or destroyed, it can only change forms. And so I would love to playfully believe that both my sister and Marie have just shifted out of the physical into their soulful, true home. And they're smiling within our hearts letting us know that they're with us always. Lo, I am with you always, even in the darkest times. Just call out my name and you know that I'll be there. I'll come running. So we enter into that place of belonging, the place of truth. I'd like to come up now, we'll enter into this piece of music and then Krista will come up and share. And I'll put Marie right here to smile at us.
<laughs> Those I haven't yet had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Krista, and I'm the daughter of Marie Perez. She was delighted to have found this community after moving here to Huntsville. As you know, she had health challenges that made communication difficult, intended to listen to others speak rather than share, especially as her own speech became more and more difficult. When we meet people at a later stage of their lives, we sometimes never hear about the rich path that brought them to us. I thought today I could share a little bit about moms. Marie was born in the French Quarter of New Orleans, Louisiana, in a beautiful house on Royal Street, where she lived with her sister, Carmi, who's here with us today, and four generations of family. She met my dad, Wayne, while at Southeastern Louisiana College, where she earned her BA. Mom became an elementary school teacher, gave birth to my sister, Lisa, and then moved, moved to dad's home state of Connecticut, where she had another child, me. She earned her master's degree and continued teaching third and fourth grade for a total of 35 years. 
After retirement from the school system, she was a volunteer ESL teacher to adults and helped children new to our country to read and write through her local library. After learning about Hurricane Katrina's devastation to her childhood home city of New Orleans, Marie joined the Red Cross volunteers and brought comfort and supplies to those in need. She became a hypnotherapist, a Reiki master, a oneness blesser, and was a major contributor to an organization called the Center of Light for 20 years. She offered her healing arts as a volunteer in many great ways, providing Reiki to patients in hospice and palliative care, taught Reiki and meditation practices to healthcare providers at her local hospital, led and taught meditation at a local Unitarian church in numerous community centers, she offered courses in Reiki and meditation as continuing education through community colleges in Connecticut and Rhode Island. In just this week, we learned that after the big freeze here in Huntsville, Tiny Marie was partnered with staff of Brookdale at Jones Farm, where she moved this past September, going door to door, delivering water to residents after their pipes froze. Marie's awesome sister, Carmi, was her forever companion and they mastered the art of shopping and had <laughs> weekly hot chocolate dates at the local Barnes and Noble. Mervyn, her brother by marriage and also here today, was kept on his toes as he skillfully performed the duties of mom's financial overseer and life manager as her health continued to decline. In addition to being a mom to Lisa and me, she was also a stepmom to my two sweet brothers, Chris and Derek, grandmother to five, a great-grandmother to one with another on the way, and made deep connections with many in her lifelong journey. In addition to going by Marie, she was also known as Nett, Nanette, Nettie, by those who knew her in her younger years, Mrs. Thornton or Mrs. Emery to her young students, Mimi or Graham to her grandchildren, Mom, Mommy, Mama, Ma, M.A., her initials and what my husband called her, and most recently, my little bird. She was so many different things to so many different people that I couldn't possibly list them all, and I'm sure there are many things that I too never knew. The common thread that I hear from those who speak of her is of kindness and that she was a special soul. She could bring peace to another's troubled heart and remind them, as her mother reminded her, you are safe, you are loved, and this too shall pass. Our little bird is now flying in the sky in the warm sun and in the light that she dedicated her life to understanding. I thank you all for embracing her, for showing her kindness and acceptance. And my hope is that she was able to share her light with you in a way that was meaningful and memorable. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org. To create a brand new world.